0: As we come to celebrate the third Sunday of Lent, we begin to read long gospel passage for the next couple of weeks, just like we did today. And I want to challenge and invite you to take this gospel reading and continue to chew and to unpack it throughout this week. Because I wish this homily could unpack all it for you, but I just hope that I can just scratch and begin to break the surface a little bit on the in-depth and the, the, the fruits behind this gospel passage. So I want to challenge you again to take this p- passage home with you and to wrestle with it and continue to read it bit by bit and begin to reflect on it a little more. Growing up as a kid, one of the most challenging things to face is your parents, the discipline they had for you. And it was always challenging for me growing up to reflect and understand how my parents actually loved me. Because when I ever, when I thought that they loved me, there were signs and things that reflected and said, no, my parents really didn't love me. And when I began to look for their love and seek their love in many different ways, I couldn't find it. So one day being the stubborn child that I was, I started an argument with my parents I asked them, really straightforward, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me? And my, my, dad, my, my dad and my mom kind of were kind of thrown off by the question. And I asked again, very frankly, why don't you love me? Because everything that you've done for me doesn't show me that you love me. Everything that you've done for me, in my eyes, seemed like you've hurt me. You don't want me, you don't truly love me. And so my dad was like, okay, can you explain this a little bit? I gave him a couple examples within my own life. It's like I see my friends do X, Y, and Z things. I see my friends go on this lavish vacation. Why aren't we going on vacation? Do you not love us enough that you want to spend the time with us? Or I used another example. I was always in band and I had all these Christmas and holiday performances. Why were you never there? Why were you never present like my friends were? Their parents always showed up to all our band concerts. They always showed up to all our events. So why didn't you show up? Are we not that important enough for you that you would show up and be present in our life? Be present at these moments, these important moments, I thought for myself, But did you not care? And so as I was telling my dad all of this, he kept a very calm calm demeanor and said, let me break this down for you, son. Look at what you have. You have a house over your, your head. You have a bed to stay in. You have food to eat. Your mom is caring for you in every way, shape or form. She wakes up early every morning to make sure you have breakfast in your stomach. Stays up all night preparing so that you had lunch and dinner. She comes home from work and works additionally when she comes home to put a warm meal on the table for you. Is that not love? Look at your friends. You get all these lavish things, but do your friends spend time, get time with their parents? We come home from work exhausted and tired, but we give you our attention in every moment until you go to bed. Is that not love? And I sat there with reality in my face like, oh, okay. So many times in our lives, we define people by their worst moments in life, by our own interpretation and understanding of who they are. And today in our Gospel reading, Jesus wants to reveal to us who he truly is and unpacks for us what he means when he says, I am love. Because when we look at this image of God, we see this almighty, all-powerful God and he's someone that we want to stay away from. He's an angry God that is here to punish each and every one of us. He doesn't want us to be bad children. He wants us to be perfect children, be like robots, be like soldiers, be perfect in everything that we are. He's very ashamed and very sad at our falling from Adam and Eve. And therefore he's looking at us from on high to punish each and every one of us. He's angry because of that. That's not the image of God. That's not the image in Jesus wanting to portray and show us today. He wants to show us today how God is love. He wants to show us today what his real mission is. He comes to save the world, how and why, and why we hear from our second reading, have to die on the cross to redeem us from our sins. We hear that today in our our gospel reading, the story of the Samaritan woman. We hear about a woman who goes out to Jacob's well at peak heat, at noon exactly according to our gospel, by herself to fetch water. If anyone really studies and understands the historical context of that, your ears would kind of perk up and like, okay, wait, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there because women would not go by themselves out to the well to fetch water for their family. Because that was meant for a community. That was meant for all the women together as a neighborhood to go together. The second part of it that sounds very wrong is the fact that she goes at peak noon. The hottest time in the day to go out to fetch water. And this wasn't just like a well down the street, it was miles on miles to walk. If you're coming at peak heat and walking home miles and miles away, your jug will be evaporated or portions of it will be gone by the time you got home. So people would understand that if you're going to go fetch water, the best time to go get water is in the early mornings, in the early hours of the day because of the scorching heat. But yet there's a reason why she leaves to go fetch water at noon, and there's a reason why she goes and does it by herself. We come further down in our Gospel reading to recognize and realize she's been ostracized by her community. She's been pushed aside because of her doings. Jesus tells her, you've had five husbands, And the one you're living with now is not your husband. She has six husbands already. So the whole neighborhood, the whole city knows her story. She knows what she has done. And now has ostracized her to be alone. Now in doing so, Jesus re-illustrates for us our own journey. We together as a community, we are sinners we're imperfect in our own way the hard part in the question becomes do we recognize our own sinfulness our own frailty our own brokenness Jesus comes and wants to enter and be a part of that relationship he doesn't condemn each and every one of us for inch and individual sin he's not interested in that We hear today he's interested in a change of heart to help us begin to recognize how we've fallen short, not just in action, but how far we've fallen in our love for others and our love for God. He just doesn't come to beat the Samaritan woman upside the head and say, you're a sinner, you're unwelcomed. We hear very clearly in our gospel reading She comes to Jesus and says, Why are you coming to me asking for water? I am a Samaritan woman. You are a Jewish man. Comes to illustrate and explain for us that the Jewish and the Samaritan people weren't on good terms. They were fighting each other for four centuries and would not speak to each other. So, why would you come? This helps illustrate, helps us understand that no matter what we've done in our salvation history, no matter what we have done here and now, Jesus is not going to abandon us. But instead, he's going to seek each and every one of us out, wanting and desiring to build a bridge to connect with us. And in that connection, it begins with dialogue. We begin to see Jesus and the Samaritan woman engage in conversation, revealing to her the most inner, deepest, darkest secrets of her life. How would Jesus know that she had five husbands and now has husband number six? Because he's entered into the recesses of our heart. The part in which we ourselves want to keep Jesus away because we're not perfect. We're not the good child. We're not the the star child of the family. So we want to keep God away from that part of our lives because we're so ashamed of it. Because we may not even want to confront and admit our brokenness, our weakness, our frailty. It may be something from our past that we never want to revisit again because it bears so much hurt, it bears so much pain. There's so much suffering that comes about from those moments. To hear someone say that I've had five husbands and the husband that you have now is not even your husband is something very shameful. But what it illustrates for us is our deepest and deep recess of our heart, there's a longing, there's a yearning for something and that longing, that yearning, is for God and for God himself. Because if we read from the Catechism, our hearts are made for God and for God alone. Nothing else can be filled. Nothing else can fill our hearts and fill that yearning and satisfy that yearning. Augustine, in his book, The Confession, in the first pages write, Your love, O Lord, your love, O Lord, my heart is restless until it rests in thee. But the challenge is how do we see God? We see God as someone who punishes us, who hates us for our regressions, who hates us because we're sinful. And in doing so, we want to keep God at a distance. We're so afraid of allowing him to enter. We're so afraid of even having a personal relationship with him. Because if we did, it would just mirror our relationship with our parents. All he wants from our lives is discipline. All he wants from our lives is obedience. All he wants from our lives is obedient soldier who does what he wants. But that is not the mission of our Lord. That is not what he's wanting from us. What he's wanting and seeking is true love and true conversion. We begin to see as the conclusion of the dialogue comes, we see her reveal her profession of faith. This professing that I believe who you are, I believe what you're going to do, and now I am changed forever. And in doing so, in that change, she leaves her jar at the well and returns back to town and tells everyone of what they what she's just encountered with the Messiah what she's just experienced and changed that's why our Lord is here he's not seeking perfect robots he's not seeking soldiers who will do exactly what he says blindly but instead he's seeking faithful children who will love him unconditionally, who will respond unconditionally to him and will give their life over to him. Not in robotic form, not as a soldier, but someone who understands what my heart is seeking, whose desires, whose life is conformed so intimately with God that my desire and his desire for me is the same thing. It's not easy. It's something that we have to begin to work at. Just as my struggle as a child to understand my parents' love for me, it takes us time to begin to understand why God wants me to do this. Why does my life require change, conversion? Why does my life require transformation? These are good questions to ask and these are good questions to begin to wrestle with. But we don't wrestle with these questions alone. We wrestle with this question in relationship with someone, in relationship with God. So who here is willing to wrestle with that reality? who's here willing to confront those questions in our lives, who here is truly wanting to seek a true and intimate relationship with the Lord. And I think this helps us very much easily in this context of Lent because we have prayer, we have fasting, we have almsgiving. Prayer, the church 90% of the time is always open Eight to five usually throughout the day, but Wednesdays we're open all the way up to midnight with adoration. It's our time to come to our knees and ask who is the Lord? How do I wrestle and understand your love for me? How do I make sense of all of this in my life? How do I come to truly understand your heart and what you want for me just like the Samaritan woman? Fasting. Giving of ourselves over to someone and something. Allowing someone to enter into the deep recesses of our hearts, becoming vulnerable for the other. There's many different opportunities for us to be of service to others. To help others and becoming vulnerable and being vulnerable with our brothers and sisters to recognize and realize God in and through them to begin to see how God is working within my life. Fasting, giving up of something, our own desires, our own self-wants, things that hinder me from giving myself fully over. So how do I give unconditionally to others? How do I make sacrifices for the others? We have plenty of opportunities here to give to others, to share what we've been given with others. So the opportunity is here. The time is here, especially as we come to a third week of Lent. Now the question is, how do we, are we going to step up to do this? Do we even want this for ourselves? And is this a desire, a want for us? Or is it just another obligation that we have to fulfill? Amen.